Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and we have got a, I don't know, Linda, I think it's interesting, fun, funny, exciting, exhilarating, all sorts of things when you come on the air with us kind of show today. <laughs> I hope so. You're, you're making for very high expectations. You know, Tuesdays are a dangerous day for me because every Tuesday morning I work out with my friend and trainer, Fred, and we have the deepest, most philosophical, spiritual discussions that set me up for the whole day. And that's why I almost like going to the gym, which, which is for me is, is, a, is a big step forward because, you know, I don't really love going to the gym, but being with him makes it, it makes it okay, and I actually look forward to it. And he well, and is. We got to uh, give Fred show credit because Fred is the. I'm just going to say thank you, Fred. I've never met you, <laughs> but you are the impetus for probably like 200 of Linda's and my conversations over the years, at least. Oh yeah, he. You know, he is. He is a great guy. Do you ever meet somebody when you're in their presence? You just feel calm. You feel good. You, I mean, they just. They just find the best parts of you and you respond and it's just I don't know it's he's one of those people well and you're one of those people for me because whenever I get to talk to you like no matter what crazy harebrained thing is going on in my life you just slice through the cheese you lay the ham on top the mayonnaise (laughs) goes on you hand me the sandwich and I go okay I can do that well, you know, we were talking today about, you know, people on different different uh ends of the spectrum and he is really really good because he he reads, he can read energy. Um and I think honestly that I think I can too because and I think we all can because have you been with somebody like I am with Fred that makes you feel really good and you said it's with me or you can be with somebody and all of a sudden you you hurt? Yes. You know, and it, it isn't exactly, it's not what they're saying. It's just what's emanating from them. It just yep. feels icky. Right, or and frightened or, like, yeah, like I have like an emotional, like, like stereo system in my chest. And when I meet people or even on the air when I talk to them, sometimes I get a really like, <gasps> you know, feeling or I'll feel like, oh, I love this person or, you know, like this person's right in sync with me. Like, yeah, it's, and it's getting stronger, I think, the more shows we do. Well, you know, it's certainly getting stronger with me, and and um, it's a good, it's a really, really good thing because I you end up spending some so much more time with people that you really 
want to spend time with, uh, and, you know, that's an age thing, too. You just don't have time for people that um, have got a lot going on. You know, right now there's so many people caught up in stormy seas, and those stormy seas are usually out of their own making. You know, and if, if, if they're not careful, they're going to end up on the rocks. And we all are. We, you know, we, we talked last week about a light source. I, we really need a light source to, to guide us to safer waters, just like a lighthouse in, in the ocean. You know, it's there to guide us to safety. But, you know, so many people aren't aware that, you know, that they have a light source or they don't take time to develop it. And I think that, you know, hopefully that that's what this show will do. Between the show and the wonderful guests we have on, it will provide like a lighthouse, a beacon to start people thinking uh, and making them more aware um, of how they're living their lives. Well, and you know, Linda, it's funny you say that because, you know, for, for many years when I was married, you know, and, and you know me, I'm a big old churchgoer, you know, and I, I read the Bible and I, I, you know, that's my, my belief system. Um, but I stepped away from a lot of that stuff from what I call my light source. Like to me, that's my light source. And when I stepped away from it, I found that I made more mistakes. I, I made choices that in hindsight I wouldn't make. And it wasn't just from experience. It's like this whole awareness that we're talking about, this whole elevating of the human spirit really allows us to get to the best possible version of us at the time like a snap like i know it sounds like you know witch voodoo you know like you know magic magic but it's it really does when you get in tune with that light when you follow the light like don't go into that light linda (laughs) the good light (laughs) because i need you here um not yet I, I don't plan to for for some time but you know we never know and that's why you have to appreciate every moment right that's right. That's right. And some of the decisions I've had to make over the last five years, I think for me, were very brave. Like I had to be really brave in some of these scenarios and they weren't scenarios that were in my wheelhouse or my comfort zone. So yeah. having a light to look to and then having like multiple, and I'll just use my frame of reference, my angelic lights. Like Linda, you will always be one of my angels. You've helped guide me through so many of these different things so that I didn't fall on my face. I didn't make huge critical mistakes. I made my share of mistakes for sure. But having that light come not only from within, from my you know religious spiritual practice, and then from the lights in my life, like Fred is your light, you're one of my lights. And I just think it's really important that we recognize those things because they keep us on track. Yeah, but the first thing in, in, in finding that in us is, is we have to learn to be vulnerable. And, you know, most of us, including me up until recently, have been holding on so tight to what, um, to, I guess, what you think you should be or what people expect of you. And if you're, you know, vulnerability is the key to finding the light because we have to be willing to show up and see our, our true selves you know, with no guarantee of an income. You know, you have to be ve- uh, an income. I meant an outcome. Well, but <laughs> that an was a Freudian slip. But, but that's perfect. You know, that's being brave. It is being brave. Do you remember last year when I was dating that handsome guy and I had vulnerable Wednesdays? I made a point to be vulnerable on Wednesdays. I actually had to learn. I had become so bulletproof over the years. And, and I had so many walls up and so many things. I thought, okay, on Wednesdays. 
I'm going to release to this person that I have a need, I have a want, I have a fear. And it was really hard for me. That's why I called it Vulnerable Wednesdays or Vulnerable Tuesdays. I forget what it was, but I was like, I made a point in my calendar to allow some vulnerability to come through because I, 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 it, it just doesn't come naturally or maybe I was made this way or I don't know what it is, but I had to make a point to, to be vulnerable, which I thought was really funny but kind of sad too. <laughs> No, it's not funny and it's not sad. I mean, that's what we all have to do is, is take a leap into the unknown because unless you do, you never know what's, what's going to happen. And, and it, it's amazing when you, when you kind of, you know, give yourself up to whatever is out there and say, you know, I know I can't do this without you, whoever you is, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. And, and you, you know, you take a step and, and you see what happens. And it's when you don't take the step and get stuck is, is usually when you become unhappier and unhappier and unhappier. And it's just amazing to me the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, when we stumble and fall um, and how we can change that story about ourselves for a happier outcome. Because, you know, it's, I'm going to ask our guest this today, too, about, you know, how dangerous is it when we start to mind read other people? My, my, my partner in Wall Street used to say to me all the time, Linda, you have enough trouble figuring out what's going on in your mind, let alone somebody else's. Well, and how and true that is. It is true. And, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I learned with my ninth grade English teacher, I'll never forget this, Mrs. Elefeld. She told me, Sandra, you have to understand not everyone thinks the way you do. In fact, I don't know anyone who thinks the way you do. And, you know, and it was it was flattering and insulting. And, you know, I wasn't sure how to take it. And she's like, you know, people don't think the way you do. And she said, and for you, I don't know anyone who's thought the way you did. And then, she you know, she taught for, I don't know, 30 years. But what I think and how I think is not the way you think, Linda. That's why I love doing the show with you because we just, we think differently about things. We're different people. We have different experiences. Yes. And isn't that wonderful? But why would I think that I can think for you? Like I think like my ex-husband used to say all the time, he's like, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And, you know, like a dartboard, one out of ten times he might be right. But realistically, most of the time he wasn't because I was like, I hate your guts. I hate your guts. And if he knew what I was thinking, we would have been divorced a lot sooner. No, but, you know, it's, it's when you start to mind read that you sabotage yourself all the time because what you believe that that other person is thinking is not what it is at all. And then you tell yourself a story and then your brain gets attached to that story. And so that story gets repeated and repeated and repeated. And, you know, it, it doesn't do anything for you because it isn't the truth. And, and you're really just undermining, undermining yourself. And it's like, okay, it becomes like, you know, the, the mouse on the wheel. It's, 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 a, it's crazy. So, you know, every, you, I think you just have to take a step back all the time to say, okay, what's really going on here when you're in some sort of confrontation? Because it's usually 99% of the time, it's never about the other person. It's always about you. 
Absolutely. Well, and when I think about like all the time my ex-husband spent thinking about what I was thinking about and thinking for me, and then you were talking about, you know, with your, your Wall Street experience, you know, you know, with your thinking, you got to think about yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Think about how much stress and anxiety and frustration and fear, you know, so much of our thoughts, I think, cause burnout and cause us to have just incredible anxiety. It's our own brains, our own worst enemy. And so, you know, I'm really excited because because our guest today is Dr. Kristen Lee Costa, and she is an expert at this stuff. She is going to help us marry psychology and spirituality, and we're going to talk about anxiety and the way we think so that we can have a happier outcome. We can have happier days. We can have happier children. We can have happier marriages. I mean, who doesn't want that? You know, Linda said earlier on in the episodes that we want to create heaven on earth, and that's what we're here to create on Powered Up Talk Radio. More after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Me when I'm walking past the mirror, mirror, just for the night at a time, and my life ain't worried about what you feel it, feel it. 
we're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And we are visiting today with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa, and she's going to talk to us about burnout, about psychology and spirituality, and we're going to wrap it up under how our brains and how the way we think really affects our mood. And Linda and and, and Dr. Chris, I want to tell you guys that, you know, I've been going through this this high conflict after divorce, you know, from a high conflict marriage. And so much of the drama comes with the way my ex thinks about me, thinks about my parenting, my ex thinks about what goes on in my household. Then you add in the mix of the girlfriend slash now wife and all of her thoughts and what she thinks. And you know what? The only people in my household, Dr. Chris, are me and two kids and an old man and four dogs. So where is this all this information coming from. And I think so much of our burnout and our anxiety, as Linda so eloquently put it in the first segment, just comes from this, and not to borrow the AA thing, but that stinking thinking or, you know, wherever that came from. But our thoughts create our reality. And if we are not careful, we're going to burn out, you know, faster than a firework. Absolutely. And it's great to be here and just, you know, hear the ways in which you've framed this conversation so far. And it's so true. I think that, you know, overwhelmingly in my own personal life, as well as my professional life, as both a behavioral therapist and qualitative researcher, it always boils down to exactly that. The way we think about things and the way we make meaning really affects our emotions. It affects our relationships. It affects our ability to sort of be in that place where we're finding our true north and we're, you know, integrating our spiritual practices and and we're able to just live thoughtfully. Um, Because when, you know, that stinking thinking creeps in, it ultimately can be really disruptive. Well, and it's unfair to the people around you. You know, Linda, I think about, you know, some things that happened this week where, you know, something was left off, something that was important to me and Linda. And, you know, I was mad for her and then my feelings were hurt and, you know, for her, you know, because she's worked really hard on this stuff. But then I thought like, okay, first of all, Sand ratchet it back. This has nothing to do with you because I was all upset about this. And I'm like, and then I thought to myself, like, you know, it upsets me because I care about Linda and I care about all the things that she does. And then, you know, when I talked to Linda, you know, she framed it so beautifully and she like sucked the emotion out of all my word choice. And Linda, you're so good at that. You're like the emotion sucker. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I... I It's because I don't want to get involved in stuff that, you know, that isn't, you know, going to benefit me. And I think this is what happens. And, Dr. Chris, you can sort of come in on this. But I think that when something happens, whether someone insults you or someone does something that you don't think is right or whatever, our first reaction is usually you know, I did something wrong, I'm not a, you know, I'm, you know, it's me, you know, I, I'm not all I can be, blah, blah, blah. But you're, but we don't like to think about that of ourselves, that we're not enough or that, that. So then we 
go to the next version of that first reaction of, okay, well, they were having a bad day or they did this. It's really not about me. It's about them. And it's, we, we get to a point where we sort of take our first emotion and then make it to a place where we can almost, where we can tolerate it. And so that becomes our truth. It, it's so true. We really have to be thoughtful and discerning, you know, when it comes to those gut reactions. And it's, you know, you're talking about personalization, which is known to be, it's one of those traps we all fall into. You know, ultimately something happens, it kind of clobbers us, our head starts to spin, and we try to make sense in those raw and visceral moments. And what we know is that, you know, that's called a primary appraisal. That's kind of like, you know, you're watching a movie being uh, shot and you see, you know, take one and then you see, okay, take two. And the take two is that point where we can kind of more effectively look at what's renting space in our heads and, you know, come up with maybe a different conclusion. You know, we're, we're at those moments better able to see the resources we have both within ourselves and outside ourselves. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of times we could maybe look at something with a little bit of humor in it or, you know, we can laugh at ourselves or laugh at the situation like, oh, of course this happened. This is classic. Like this is just <laughs> bound to happen in this situation or bound to happen to me. Or, you know, you might be able to say, you know, this reminds me of a problem that I've encountered before. And, you know, I remember solving it this way or like you were talking about earlier, you know, we all have the Freds in our lives or, you know, Sandra's been saying, you know, Linda, you're that light for me. And, you know, we can't always find that lighthouse when we're just spinning or our vision is clouded, you know, in those first moments when we're walked with something and it kind of baits our anxiety in. Um, I Do you think that, you know, when that first visceral reaction to something happens, uh, it's painful? And do we go to the next level because we want to avoid the pain and maybe we should stay in that first level uh and, and endure that pain for a little while. I mean, don't, don't drown in it, but so we can figure out why are we feeling like this in the first place? What, you know, why, why am I going to that place? It's about me. Let me figure it out. I, I think you're speaking to something that a lot of times people want to skip over because discomfort, who likes discomfort, right? It's in our instincts to want to either run away sort of kind of squash what's happening. But it is true if we kind of lean into what's happening. And, you know, I like to call it taking a curiosity lens. So instead of sort of letting all the emotions flood us, you know, sort of saying, okay, what this is interesting, you know, what's happening right now. And, you know, trusting the process that yes, when something first hits us, you know, it is going to be messy, it is going to be visceral, it's going to be painful. Um, but we'll work through it and we're resilient and we're designed and wired to be able to find our resources again once we have a little bit of time. And I think that you're really speaking to something important because a lot of times we do want to skip over that step or rush through it. Um, but pain isn't always a bad thing. It can be a teacher for us and we can, we can gain a lot of perspective in those tough moments, um, especially when we know that you know, we're going to move to a better place eventually. I think that's the key. Well, and I have a question, you know, that relates to dealing with like high conflict personalities. <clears throat> I'm a, Linda helps me a lot to stand up for myself in certain ways. And so I want to thank her for that. 
Um, but it's really hard to know, like when, you know, when somebody's insulting to you and I have somebody who's insulting to me on a daily basis that I have to deal with, I have to co-parent with, when is it time to stand up? Like, cause I always do this thing where it, like insult, obnoxious thing comes in and I go, okay, it's just that person being that person. And then I try to like block it out. I don't even try to think about it. I just look for the germane, you know, issue at hand and then I move on my day. And recently one of my friends said, well, you're not really dealing with it. And I don't know if I'm dealing with it or not, or if it should be dealt with. Like when you've got an obnoxious boss or an obnoxious family member or a high conflict person in your life, because you can't let them drive you nuts. Absolutely. And it's so universal. I think we all have, you know, and I think it's really difficult. A lot of people can relate to that, that it's in your inner circle and you're co-parenting and you're dealing with what you were describing before, you know, this high level of conflict after a divorce. And I think so many can relate to that whole notion of, you know, just like the daily bait, you know, that daily zinger that is right there. And it's there for you to sort of, you know, have to digest on some level. And I I think, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It it ultimately takes finesse. It takes time. But I think it also takes us going back to what you were talking about in the first segment is this notion of, of light and, you know, kind of what is it that you're pouring into yourself? Who are you surrounding yourself with in general that helps you really be anchored? Because I think when we, when we really invest ourselves deliberately and intentionally in those ways, it kind of helps when those, you know, those storms come and, you know, you just deal with something that's incredibly difficult and and it just brings you from zero to 60 really quickly, you know, to then be able to say, you know, this is what I do have control over. This is what I might be able to shine. You know, I shine my light in a certain way or model helpful communication or not internalize it or taking, take it personal as Linda and I were talking about. Um, But ultimately just saying, you know, this is the person's point in their, they're not in a place where their, their light is shining. They're snuffed out. They're angry. They're anxious. They're, you know, all kinds of things. And they're not able to be effective in communicating their needs and, you know, working together in a collaborative way. And I think that, you know, that signals a sign of, you know, other things that you don't necessarily have control over. Um, but you certainly don't want to permeate your whole level of conscious consciousness and, and just being, because it can, it can, you know, there's that saying, it says, if you think you've arrived, then, you know, spend a week with your family. And I think that kind of transcends, you've had a good weekend, you go back to work, you have a negative interaction with your boss or your colleague, and it's like, boom, it kind of brings you back to that archaic emotion or feeling or, or actions. Um, and those are hard for all of us. Well, they are. And I remember one time, you know, and this was was in the midst of my divorce, I had this really difficult client and he was, he was on my back all the time, micromanaging everything. And, you know, he didn't know anything about the computer. Here I am, a computer tech specialist. And he just oh, drove me bananas. And one day I just, I just shouted him at the phone and I'm like, so-and-so, your anxiety cannot become my anxiety. And, uh-huh. you know, I have that on my wall. I, I stick to that, you know, and when we come 
come back from the break, I want to talk about, you know, the roots of anxiety and how we can take anxiety to work for us. Because right now, the only use I have for anxiety is it will make me clean my house, clean my desk. Like when I'm anxious, I clean. So, you know, that helps a lot. Um, But I'd like to be more productive with my anxiety because we all have it, you know, face it. We're here with Dr. Uh, Kristen Lee Costa. You can find out more about her by just Googling her name. We're going to talk about uh, with her more about managing anxiety and making it our frenemy, making it our friend, not our enemy. This is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. More after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches lessons in joyful living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, This ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are visiting with Dr. Lee Costa today, and we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about the way we think and how that affects our emotions. It affects our actions. It affects pretty much everything uh, that we do and how we feel about it relates back to how we think. Now, before we went to break, um, I had mentioned that when I'm anxious, the only way anxiety works for me is it gets my tail in gear, but sometimes I get so anxious I can't 
function and do like my technology work that requires you to sit down and be real still and figure things out. So I clean, like I'll clean my desk, I'll pull a closet apart and I'll clean until that energy dissipates or I'll go like run on my treadmill or, you know, run to the gym if I can. But there's got to be better, more productive ways to take anxiety um, and make it, you called it a frenemy, you know, make it our frenemy, um, you know, like a friend and an enemy at the same time. So I want to throw that out for the conversation because this has already became my self-help hour again. So let's just go with it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people, when they hear the term frenemy, they, they kind of raise their eyebrows and they think, you know, how can, you know, I've had even people push back and say, you know, how can anxiety even be a friend? How can it have these two sides to it? You know, but what I've learned in my therapy room and in my classroom is that, you know, stress and anxiety are very paradoxical. And like you pointed out, just in a simple way, it gives us the juice and adrenaline sometimes that will keep us on task. But beyond that, beyond just sort of that, that feeling of, you know, maybe being really whipped up and sort of on, you know, in high gear through our day that maybe helps us, you know, move through our long list of our checklist, you know, there's more to it. And so anxiety, when we really pick it apart, reflects our values, so one thing I've really learned, and again, I've, I've been doing a lot of research on burnout and stress and resilience. Uh, you know, I've made my life's work of this. And I myself have also fought a lifelong battle with anxiety. But yet I've, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed that I've been able to accomplish a lot and to learn a lot from the lessons it's taught me. And I think that comes in handy in the field that I'm in, obviously. Um, but, you know, ultimately it really reflects that, you know, if you were talking about, you know, having those daily interactions and trying to collaborate and co-parent and you, you're getting, you're hitting walls all the time and you're getting a lot of negativity, really what that reflects is an underlying value of conscientiousness and that you want, you know, helpful, healthy interactions, that you want your children to see those modeled, that you want the energy level, what's being transmitted to be positive. So anxiety, when we really peel the layers back, reflects that something isn't happening the way we need it to or want it to. Um, life is, is throwing a really negative curveball at us, maybe. And if we can kind of stop and look at the value of what it is we want, when we get to that place, we can often then set goals for ourselves. We can set up all kinds of strategies and all kinds of ways to navigate what might be at hand. And the one thing I always want to say is that I don't want to ever oversimplify anxiety because what we know in, in the social sciences field is that there's a really vast and wide continuum of anxiety. So, you know, when we say anxiety, that could mean that it's the day-to-day -day stuff, kind of the comings and goings, and maybe the, the people that are a little bit tough in your life. Um, but then we can also be talking about anxiety that comes along with trauma and with loss and, you know, with just severe life adjustment things that are just anxiety provoking and they bring out a lot of, a lot of tough emotions. So I don't want to oversimplify it and say that there's sort of this one size fits all formula for anxiety. But what I do know is that anxiety reflects our values. It can be a powerful teacher and we can use the adrenaline that comes with it. So those are some positives to it. I know that you talk a lot about burnout, and I just want to ask, I want to ask you what your definition of burnout is, um, and do we all experience burnout at some point in our lives? And then I'll and so answer that question, and then 
and then I, 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 I want to talk about, is it an overused word? Terrific. So yeah, burnout, the word burnout, the construct came into play back in the seventies. And, you know, what's interesting is the, the current conversation describes burnout as inevitable and the new normal. And this is what makes me really passionate about my work and about my message of self-care and navigating stress and ensuring we're doing things that keep us sustainable. Because look, you know, we're not just sort of in our own heads or our own little bubbles operating. We're navigating in a world where there's great complexity. There's immense pressures on all of us. And, you know, burnout has been called, you know, a syndrome of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization. Lots of times it can mean that you work so hard, almost like an automatic pilot situation, working mechanically, just a sense of disconnect. And going back to what you were talking about and describing earlier, the way you could think about it is that burnout is like, you know, when your light gets snuffed out, that way you can't find that light source anymore. And what I think about a lot as I look at this amongst really high-powered professionals, folks who are working very demanding jobs, often working the role of many people, or they're just in situations where they've always kind of cranked, like I like to call it, um, they you know, find themselves so depleted and so wiped out that they don't know wh- whether they're coming or they're going. And I think that you know, when we're in that mode, we definitely need to take the time to sort of reevaluate and regroup and see how we can sort of refill up our tanks because that's not a good place to be operating out of. Hmm. No, it's not. And you know that. And when you're in when you're in that terrible place, you make terrible decisions, and your life just goes in a downward spiral. It's just somehow I sometimes I think burnout. That just that word is, you know, it sort of it gets you off the hook uh, because people think, well, okay, you've been you know you've been overworked, and it's like when sometimes these CEOs or or people in in bigger in high powered positions, they said, okay, I'm leaving my job so I can spend more time with my family. That mm-hmm. seems to be, you know, that the party line. But, you know, it's just that, you know, maybe their light has been snuffed out. And, you know, and people recognize that as well. And it's just they lose their effectiveness. So, you know, nobody nobody leaves the merry-go-round when they're having a good time. It's usually, you know, when something happens that you think, well, I better get out while I can still get out kind of thing. Well, I think there's a lot of examples of it. Think of, you know, I have a lot of um, physician friends and when I, when I work and, and go into hospitals and give talks to burnt out physicians who happen to be one, amongst one of the highest groups, it's like, you know, they're sitting there, you know, with all their level of expertise and, and wanting to stay in their lane, but they're sidetracked by all the insurance minutia. And teachers yeah. likewise feel like they have to teach to the test. And I think when you look at across the spectrum of disciplines, what I'm finding in my research and just all along the trails as I talk to people and hear their stories, this overwhelming sense of demoralization, like, look, this is our purpose and this is what we're designed to do. And this is kind of like our vocation and our calling. And there's such level and need and we can't get to our students. We can't teach them the ways we know that they're going to learn best. Or, you know, we can't treat our patients holistically in a way that we know is going to really leverage their true well-being. So I think in the, in, you know, you could, you could, again, put this to to parenting. There's so many ways we could look at this across the spectrum of our respective roles and say, you know, there's these barriers that really become frustrating when we can't live out the purpose and, you know, we can't live out in ways that we know we can really shine our lights, 
most effectively and, and do good work. And, and again, I think what's so compelling to me is the level of need, not only in the U.S., but across the globe in terms of anxiety and burnout. And by the way, you know, we are looking at a crisis. So we in mental health know that there is a critical shortage happening all across this country in terms of being able to even get the right help. You know, luckily, some of the stigma is being reduced around when we need help. But we're really facing a time when, you know, we're not even able to access the resources that we need to prevent burnout. You know, prevention is always less costly than repair. But a lot of times we're just chasing our tails and we're reacting to it rather than knowing, you know, there's things we can do to prevent it. To your point about, you know, do we all have to end up experiencing it or is it inevitable? Well, and is that why you came out with your book, um, Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, you know, which is available on Amazon and, you know, you have your Reset 24-7, that's your ResetYourStress.com. Is that where all of this stuff came from? Yeah. So if you, if anyone wants to check it out on ResetYourStress.com, it, it, it absolutely did. You know, I've been working in the field for over 20 years. And so believe me, I've heard a lot of stories. I've seen a lot of people's lights snuffed out and I've seen them fall prey to burnout. And unfortunately, you know, I've seen people get sick and die because of it or just it's been a wrecking ball in their lives in terms of their relationships and everything in between. And so when I was working um, with a woman who came in who, you know, she showed me her head. She had two balding spots on her head. And she said, Dr. Chris, what is it that I can do? You know, what? what can I do to sort of overturn this situation I'm finding myself in? And I, and I scrawled out the word reset and I started to build in, you know, principles of cognitive behavioral treatment and neuroscience and, and just all of the different dimensions of treatment that are evidence-based and known to be effective. And that's where it started. And then I went on to, you know, in my classroom at Northeastern in Boston, all of my students are, you know, working professionals, they're sometimes second, third careers, they're trying to continue to create their new lives for themselves. And in that, there comes a lot of risk and vulnerability, like Linda was talking about. So we need to have practical, proven strategies that we can implement. And so that's how the reset model was born. And that's why I really, you know, dug in and wrote the book, because I think people need things that are substantive but that are also practical and sticky and that actually address the stuff that we all deal with on a daily basis. Well, and I'm going to, you know, support you on that because if it's not practical and it's not something we can start today and it's not going to cost a lot of money for us to make these changes or cost us a lot of money, it's really hard to make changes like this in this fast-paced society. Um, The book is called Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, sorry, your 24-7 plan for well-being. It's available on Amazon. I can see it right here. You've got hardcover. You've got paperback. You've got Kindle. Um, I'm sure it's where all booksellers are sold. The author is Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. That's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, Lee, L-E-E. C-O-S-T-A. You want to check it out because when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about different ways that we can reframe our stress, get it to work for us, and ratchet down this high-paced, high-stress society that we have created. This is our creation, and with our creation, we can recreate it. More after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. 
Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hi, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are talking today with Kristen Lee Costa, and she has written this great book called Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, Your 24-7 Plan for Well-Being. Now, this is 24-7, so I'm kind of stressed out. With the 24-7, do I have to do this 24-7 or is this going to help me 24-7? Because when I saw that, I got to be like, I'm going to have to ask her about that. Because (laughs) 24-7 sounded like, oh my God, I'm going to be up all night trying to (laughs) de-stress. No, it's it's definitely not going to be counterproductive and and make you feel like you have. And I think that's the thing when when we look at models of of help out there. Sometimes some of the five-step gimmicky formulas, you know, they're, they're too complicated or they're too simple to work, but this is really a framework um, that is about keeping self-care in the forefront of our minds 24-7, you know, so that each day it's not like, okay, you know, you've got to do step A, B, and C in order to be okay. It's much more about a mindset of, you know, again, resetting. Just think of the word reset. You know, it's about recalibration. It's about knowing that we have to put our own mask on first breathe in that oxygen, anchor ourselves down, let our light be flowing, you know, make choices, all kinds of choices that either add up to our emotional health bottom line, or maybe, you know, make deductions from that. So, And I'm going to throw in something on top of that, because, you know, you're talking to a woman who owns a technology company, but when my computers are stressed, or my phones are stressed, or my clients call me up, and they talk about, you know, how stressed they are, 
inevitably their electronics around them are stressed, you know, and so we reset them. You know, I usually will reset uh-huh. them. I might recalibrate them. I might, you know, fix some things, you know, especially if they're my friends and they're really in tough shape and they need their systems up and running. Um, as their kid will have a stroke if he doesn't get on Minecraft. Um, but <laughs> you can reset a machine. You can clean it out. You can get the machine to think differently. And I think this is what you're talking about in resetting us as human beings. And before I get you onto that one, I just have to ask the question. Do we as stressed out, anxious individuals have the power to influence our electronics? Because when I'm going haywire, my systems go haywire. It's the way the universe lines up. You know, it's Murphy's Law, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's some kind of sick lesson in it all. But ultimately, you know, bingo, you've hit it on the head in terms of just that whole image of our technology and resetting and rebooting and recharging. And wouldn't it be nice if we had that reset button or if it was as simple as just plugging in overnight and then getting up and being completely tuned? Um, We know it's not like that. You know, our, our... Our bodies, our minds, our spirits are wonderful, but there's also fragility to us and complexity to our lives and to our context. And so, you know, resetting ourselves really, again, involves deliberate attention to what our needs are, listening to ourselves, slowing down a little bit, uh, looking at ourselves in context. And, you know, each letter stands for a different practice that we can engage in. And again, there's no prescriptive thing here where, one size fits all. Um, but if you'd like, I can just share very briefly what each of the letters stand for and how, you know, again, you can take practical steps to work towards resetting. Sure. I got my pen and paper handy because I take notes on the show because I'm a geek. I'm a geek too. I love it. <laughs> I'm a fellow writer here. So, and, you know, also on the Reset Your Stress website, there's a nice um, put your mask on first guide and it gives you each step of the reset model. Um, and so people have said, you know, and I, I have it right up on my own bulletin board. Trust me, you know, I might be a burnout and stress and resilience expert, but you know, it, it's bitten me more than once and it's something that ravages our lives and we have to attend to. So the R is about realizing, and this is really what we were all talking about earlier. Realize is about perspective taking, knowing that we're in that first take, that we need some time to regroup. And not overanalyzing our lives in those moments when we're sick, we're overworked, we're overtired, we've just had that horrendous interaction with someone. That's not a time to do an in-depth analysis. We really have to buy time and, you know, realize that the emotions we're experiencing in that moment are raw. The E is about energizing. And again, I think in today's context, you know, time closes in on us. We don't make time to move our bodies like we should or nourish them in helpful ways. How many of us are sleep deprived, right? You know, so energizing is about tending to our physical needs. You know, it might be going to acupuncture or massage. It might be, you know, just getting out for that 20 minute walk in a day or or getting a few yoga poses in. But energizing is tending to our physical uh, bodies, um, which are connected with our spiritual selves, by the way, too, as we all know. Um, Soothing is the S, soothe. And a lot of times when we look at stress management, conventional practices, it leaves out senses, you know, the power of our senses, our taste and our touch and our smell and all of those things in our sixth sense even. And we need to integrate that into our self-care approaches and know that a lot of times our brains and bodies are getting the message something's really wrong by the way that we're just going, going, going. We clench our, our fists and our jaws and we just... 
we push so hard. Um, but we need to be able to give our brains and bodies a different message, message that things are okay. So that might just be as simple as stopping to taste your coffee or smell your tea or look at the sunset or laugh it out with somebody or look them in the eye. It's really about presence to our surroundings and our senses. And it has a lot to do with mindfulness. So I want to give you a chance, both of you, to interject. I don't want to just barrel through if you have questions or thoughts that are emerging as I'm sharing the different pieces. But we've got the E and the T left. <laughs> Let's do the E and the T and then we'll figure out. I want to talk about the S. Okay. So the E is um, end unproductive thinking. And I don't think we can squash negative thinking. Again, we've talked about those automatic cognitive distortions that creep in on all of our brains. But unproductive thinking is when we get stuck and we ruminate and we process and process ad nauseum. And productive thinking, if we, if we engage instead in productive thinking, that can do us a lot of good. That will rent the space in our head, you know, whether it's learning, listening to a show like this for all the listeners out there. It's like this is a productive use of your time. It's getting you thinking. It's stimulating you in new ways. It might be, you know, giving you strategies and ideas. And the same is true when we read and when we learn and we have meaningful conversations with people like Freddie, right? Our friends out there, um, yep. going back to Linda's friend at the gym. Um, so and unproductive thinking is important. And then finally, the T is talk it out. And that's about engaging in community. That's about sharing our feelings, debriefing in healthy ways, you know, being able to connect with people that can give us accountability around our self-care and about the ways we want to shine our light, if you will. Um, it's about, you know, being able to strategize and regroup. And I think a lot of us find ourselves isolated in today's context, uh, but talking it out is being more connected with ourselves and with one another. So that's it in a quick helicopter view. Okay. So I have two questions. Sure. Okay. Can we, and this, you're going to hate me for this one. What can we double up on? As a single mom, two kids, old man, four dogs, um, I'm going, okay, can I soothe and talk it out at the same time? Like, because sometimes I take a bath to soothe myself and then I will call yes. my friends, you know, from the tub, which does help me, you know, end the unproductive thinking and actually does energize my body because I'm pretty hyper during the day. So for me, <laughs> you know, relaxing is a good thing. Um, so we can multitask on these things. Oh, even. I by design, okay. I, I actually don't hate the question. I love it because it's designed exactly that way. Who of us have time to sort of be linear? Our lives are all over the place and we have to have those double dips, you know? And actually, I use that exact wording in the book and say, if you're going to do this, then do this. Get your bang for your buck, you know, if you will. And I'm not talking about money, but I'm really saying that, you know, you have to look at it. And then the other thing that's huge, Sandra and Linda, is this. And I tell my students... Those who see me in therapy, I tell myself this all the time. It's what I call the coaching of the before, during, and after. So, for example, I'm going to get to that bathtub tonight. That's going to soothe me. I'm going to be able to talk to someone. And you're thinking about it ahead of time. Then you're in that bath. You're taking it in. You're, you're present in that moment. This is what's happening right now. I'm enjoying the moment. This is resetting me. It feels so good. I can have this experience and then the after is, you know, I did something good. I put something in my tank today. I recharged my batteries. I reset. I put my mask on. And that's going to help me with my emotional health. We have to do a lot of reinforcing of those positive reset messages. Because, again, think about everything that comes our way during the course of a day. It's a lot to process. It's a ton to digest. And there's no easy way to do that. But when we're doing that before, during, after, when we're double dipping on the reset principles, 
it makes a huge difference. So be creative with it. And that's the beauty of it. Make it your own thing. I'm not going to tell you you have to do X, Y, and Z in this way. You're going to be able to look at the framework and say, these are things I can really do that are going to be proven and that are going to make a difference right away for me. And again, there's no simple, you know, reset of all of our life circumstances. But what I overwhelmingly have found in my research and in my practice is you start to make a change in one area. The next thing you know, a whole, the dominoes all come down in a good way for us. And, and that culmination of change starts to really materialize and we start to anchor it down. And that's really powerful. We only have two, a couple of minutes left, and this might be not a good time to introduce this question, but are the people that you work with, how resistant are they um, about taking responsibility and kind of understanding that they're creating the chaos? Well, it's interesting you put it like that, and I think that, you know, I get the chance, I get the privilege to work with all kinds of walks of life, all age groups, all scenarios, you know, throughout my career. So again, I hold a lot of stories in my heart and mind. However, the way I would think about it is, is yes, sometimes we can take the bait. Our anxiety can, you know, overturn reason and we can sometimes engage in unhelpful behaviors. But I see it more as a matter of context that we are conditioned from a very early age to behave in certain ways and to think in certain ways. And that conditioning causes a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of strain in our life. So I believe progress for all of us is always possible, but we can't overlook the power of our context. And by understanding that, then we can take responsibility and navigate in ways that really help us, that help us be more centered, that help us resist burnout, that help us cultivate resilience. But we can't just think it's just something in our own heads or on our own will. It's a combination of things. Okay, I need to take us out of the show. We're going to have to have you back, Dr. Chris. I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Chris's dog for participating in today's show. Oh, that's like my to... dog, unfortunately. Oh, that's, oh, that's Lucy. <laughs> Welcome to Lucy now, right now. He's been so good. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sally didn't bark either. So, Lucy, thank you for participating in today's show. We also want to thank Fred because Fred is the reason that this show took the turn that it's did. This is Sandra Beck and uh, Linda Franklin for Powered Up Talk Radio. And Dr. Chris Lee Costa will be back next week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and pro-